0: you are an awesome God. You alone deserve our praise and worship. We acknowledge, O God, that Lord, to your greatness there is none that compares. Father, you are excellent and glorious. You, O God, are the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Father, tonight as we lift up your name, we have come once again, O God, to drink from the fountain of your word. Father, we pray tonight that, Lord, we, your people, will be refreshed. We thank you, my God, that as we gather tonight, O God, that your wisdom and revelation will be released amongst us. We thank you for your word that brings change in our lives. We thank you, my God, that at the entrance of this word, it brings light and it brings understanding unto the simple. Above all, Lord, this we pray, that Lord God Almighty, your word will find a place of expression even in our lives in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I hope everybody has had a wonderful week so far. And that has been an awesome time. Amen? And so tonight we're going to kind of like discuss, if I'll put it, um, based on the message that God allowed us to share on Sunday. And um, I remember that um, we kicked off the discourse on Sunday from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. And we used then the part A of it. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Amen. I also said there are other interpretations of that same one. That it would say that the heart of your understanding will be opened. And well, the TPT puts it this way. That the, the eyes of your imagination will be illuminated. And so I picked the word Imagination. Because the scripture says that the eyes of your imagination will be illuminated. And we're able to now break down what is imagination. Um, Because for so long we will read the scripture that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. And we are not able to break down into understanding of what does that look like in a practical term in our lives on a day-to-day basis. And so I talked about different examples of what imagination is. That imagination is an integral part of a believer. That your imagination is what God has given you. It is from which, it is through that you make decisions. Because your imagination comes as a result of your experience. Remember I said that. And the intent of God from bringing us Christ and the finished work is that whatever experiences that we've had... That the experience of the finished work would wash that away and our imagination now will begin based on the finished work of Christ. Did we understand that up until now? Amen. And one of the things that I said, I gave you an example. That imagination, of course, is flooded by different experiences. I gave you an example of maybe two friends are walking on the street and they both see a dog. One runs to the dog to pet the dog. The other runs away from the dog. The truth is, they both reacted based on an experience. Amen? And I we'll also gave an example of a flower. That someone gives a flower. You're both friends again walking on the streets. They see a flower. One recalls going to a wedding and a very memorable experience. And another recalls going to a funeral. And the same flower, the issue is not a flower. The issue is not the dog. It is the experience that they've gone through. And so the same thing is our imagination. The issue is not the imagination. It is what is fed to the imagination. I remember I used the example of the projector over there. That this screen is like the imagination. The screen is not the issue. It is what they feed to the screen over there that the screen projects. You get what I'm saying? And so it is with us as believers. There is the flesh and then there is the God experience. Either one wants to project on the screen. And whatever we allow to project on the screen is what, is, what brings the results in our lives, basically. Do we understand that so far? Is there any question in regards to that? I know I got a question on Sunday. Is there any question in regards to that? Was I able to break that down in such a way that you understood? I know, sis, you went here on Sunday, right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, But I did tell you that we also say to ourselves many times, we think about something. Say, for example, I want to go buy a blue dress. And I say to myself, oh, that blue dress is good. I just go buy. Boom. There's an imagination in my head of the color of dress that I want. And I go to the store, boom, I buy it. In the same token, I get to that same store. I see a woman, maybe just, I don't know how to explain it. But something in me says to to me, go pray for that woman or just smile to the woman. And I say to myself, oh, it's my imagination. Are you seeing how the two things are fed? Are you getting me? The truth is, it is your imagination. And that's one of the things I wanted to drive home on Sunday. It is what God wants to walk through. That is why God will say of the children of Israel, of the, of the Tower of Babel, he said there is nothing that they have imagined that will become impossible to them. And then also at the creation, God gave Adam the ability to use his imagination. Name all these animals. So we have lion, we have dog. Remember, God never named any animal. All the animals you have till today is a result of man's imagination. Adam named them. Are you getting me? But in order to be able to break this thing down, that we may understand it and touch someone, we took it from Judges chapter 6. But you know, after I'd gone back home, there are a few things that came to me again are from Judges chapter 6. Let's go to Judges chapter 6, please. Daddy, are you going to be able to help me with scripture so I can focus on my notes? I really didn't print anything. Do you mind? Thank you. Oh, it's just. Oh, okay. Thank you. So, Judges, we're going to start with Judges chapter 6. And in order f- for us to skip, remember we read of this story of how the children of Israel would plant something and um, um, the um, uh, Amalekites, um, Midianites rather, they would come and they would just, zoom, sweep it all away. And so we read from verse 1 to 10, it was consistent and consistent. And consistent but then we get to verse 11 the Bible now says and now now I remember I said now normally is supposed to be an adverb of time but now is used here as a conjunction and when you see when you say word used as a conjunction then pay attention immediately one of the things I learned from just sitting on the pastor bank is how to really appreciate scripture. It was when I got back home on Sunday and I realized, do you know that this story is not about Gideon, it's about God. <laughs> because you actually think it's about Gideon, it's not about Gideon, it's about God. However, we find the story of our own lives in between. The truth is, the way God dealt with Gideon is how God deals with us on a daily basis basis and that was what i was getting across on sunday because i wanted you to touch somebody life and that's why we came to gideon the bible now said now the angel of the lord we do know the angel of the lord this angel of the lord means jesus christ really as you go further, you will see it changes from angel of the lord to the lord amen now, remember what I said initially, that it's just a change of inflection when it comes to imagination. It's almost as if you take this away and you thats what imagination is. Remember, but this story about Gideon. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. Now, hold on there. When you hear the word seat, it means God is about something. The only, most of the times when you read, the Bible says we are seated on, in the heavenlies at the right hand of God. When you hear something about sitting, it means God wants to, go to, it wants to take this person through a process. It's not that there is a particular one-time visitation, appear one time and go. Are you getting me? God wants to, wants to take Gideon through an experience. Are you getting me? So he says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an opera, which belonged to Joash the Abazari, while his son Gideon trashed the wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, when you read all this story, is it about Gideon? Is it about Gideon? Answer me. Do you think it's about Gideon? No. Because, I mean, look at how the statement goes. Now, the angel of the Lord. So it's all about God. And that's the one thing I wanted to get home on Sunday is for you to see how the every intricacy of your life, God is working something out. And I remember I said to you, for too long we have vilified Gideon. And the truth is we fail to understand the experience Gideon has been through. This is a guy, after he's planted and prepared something, there is a flood of people that come to eat it up. So all of Gideon's experience has nothing to do with God. It had to do with the oppression of the Midianites. And so on the backdrop of that, God now appeared to Gideon. And now wants to change the story of Gideon. The same way with our imagination. All of what has been in Gideon's imagination, all he knows about in his entire life is oppression. And now God now stepped into this scene. God now wants to change the story of Gideon's life. And now the Bible now says that here's what God called him. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. First of all, is the Lord is with you. That's how God started. And then God now identified him. the my, You mighty man of valor. I mean, look at it this way. I, I, wanted to, I just want us to break this down in a way we understand it. All of Gideon's life, all of my life, all I've known is you are no good. All I've known is your, your family, this is how far they can go. All I've known is, at the age such certain age, this is what happens to your family, and the truth be said, it is actually true. You count the you count the steps of every other person that has been, and you see that is true. I'm I'm deliberately saying this to get somewhere. Okay, now that does not necessarily mean that is actually the truth. It is just what has been projected on this screen. It's as a result of my experience. And so this is what Gideon went through. And that is why God had to sit down with Gideon. This is not a matter of just saying something and going. You mighty man of valor. And of course, the only response you will expect from Gideon as a result of the experience is this. Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, Why then has all this happened? In other words, this has been my experience. There's nothing contrary to this or nothing whatsoever. What you are saying and my experience, they don't tally. What I'm projecting on this screen is different from what you are telling me. Because the the computer through which this projection is coming from is based on everything that I've fed it so far. So now let me explain to you. Why do you say then that you're with us? Because for you to be with us, this is what should have been. But then, verse 14. You notice I said on Sunday, God did not rebuke him. As I said, take it easy on Gideon. Identify with Gideon. God did not rebuke him. I want you to know, the same way with you, every message you're hearing, Every experience you're going through. Don't ever get to a place where you condemn yourself. Because the intent of God is to bring you to an expected end. Where you are on this journey does not define the end. The Bible says, he that has begun a good work in you. I want you to know that. So here is it is. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianite. Have I not sent you? I mean, it's almost as if, have you ever turned on the radio and you hear static noise? <laughs> I have a feeling that's how God sounded to Gideon. He wasn't, it, I don't think God, you're getting me at all. Maybe you didn't get the first one I told you. And then let's move on. He said, oh, and he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Again, he's asking him. Because this guy does not have a clue. Listen, he's been intimidated all his life. Even a two-year-old Midianite intimidates him. The Bible says they flood their, 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 their farm and they flood their, their, whatever it is that they've gathered like a locust. But look at what he says. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Is he telling the truth? It is. And I am the least in my father's house. Move on. And the Lord said to him, surely, I mean, I love the way God does what he does. God is consistent in what he was saying. I am with you. I mean, you, you may have gone through this experience, but I, always, I want you to always project this on the screen. I am with you and so here's God is saying surely I will be with you this is now God again making another vow to him first of all he said I will be with you now God is saying surely that is of a certainty I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man oh come on God come on God come on come on I mean you're talking about my experience Like Peter, I have told all night, I am a master of the sea. I know when to go out and when to come in. Surely this is my experience. I'm letting you know what my experience is like. And it may be you took a contract, one day they didn't take it. The next day they didn't take it. And this has projected on the screen that it's almost as if this is not going to get through anymore. Let's just, it's a lost cause. But here, he said, then he said to him, if I found favor in your side, then show me a sign that is you who talk with me. Listen, I said something on Sunday. If you follow the progression of this thing, it's as if Gideon is taking a move gradually. Okay, he's no longer saying to him, surely you are not with us. This has happened. No. Now look at the next thing he said. He said, Auntie Shade, please, can you go back? Thank you. He said, if I have now found favor with you. So he's now taking God's word and bringing it back now at this time. Now look at what he says next. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And hear the Lord's response. I will wait until you come back. Oh, that is loaded. That no matter where the journey of life has taken you. God is saying to you, I am here. I'm always by your side. I'm not going anywhere. You go, every experience, I'm going to turn it around to a sweet one for you. Every one that you're projected that has not been of me, I'm going to turn it around for you. Amen? Now let's go on. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread. Let's move on. I mean, we went, he brought all of these and, you know, because of time, let's, let's, I think, um, okay. Now verse 22, it says, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Now with all of this now, understand that this is a journey that God is taking him through. Now this guy has now gotten to the place where he can now confidently say, I perceive there's something that is changing. I'm beginning to sense, okay, there's something here. This, surely can, this is surely the angel of the Lord. I'm perceiving it is. He says, so Gideon said, alas, Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now verse 23. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Remember that phrase. Now go to verse 24. So Gideon built an altar dear to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it's still in opera of the Abazirah. Now, look at this. He has encountered God. An experience of the past has been flushed somewhat away. So now, Gideon is holding on to this little victory. God is my peace. That he built an altar and worshiped the Lord God is peace. So, what am I saying? How does that apply to us? The little victories in your life, the big victories in your life, the that God is using to build you up in such a way that you can make your boast only in God so that every other experience will no longer have power to project on your screen. Your imagination now is flooded only by Christ and what he has finished for you. Remember I said on Sunday, your life began at the finished work. So if your life began at the finished work, What God is saying is, your experience then has to be the experience of Jesus. Now let's move on. Verse 25. Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him. Remember I said, now he's holding on to, God is my peace. There's a victory that he has held on to. That can never be taken away from him again. Now he goes, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside you. Now God is giving him instructions on what to do. Now, remember that ultimately God is saying that this guy is going to save Israel. Is that correct? But for God to get him there, some things has to be erased from his memory. Some experiences has to to go through the power and the change that God alone can effect in his life. For him to become this warrior in the hand of God. He says, and build build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And he went on and on. Now move to verse 27, please. So Gideon took ten men from among the servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household. Remember, he feared his father's household. And the men of the city too much to do it by day. He did it. By night. Now, you read the rest of the story. The Bible talks about how when they woke up in the morning, they realized that somebody had messed with their God. And remember the word that God gave Gideon. That he said, you will not what? Die. So, they now came and wanted to kill Gideon. Bring him out. And that's why I said to you on Sunday, may God raise Joashis on your behalf. Men and women who will speak a word of God on your behalf, because it was Him that said, "You want to fight for a God? If He's a God, let Him fight for Himself." And so we move on. Verse thirty-two. Therefore, on that day, He called him Jerubal, saying, "Let Baal plead against Him, because He has torn down His altar." Verse thirty-three. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, what is known to be a place of defeat is now coming again towards him. Remember? Because these are the people he's been running away from. Are you getting me? Now look at verse 35. It says, but the spirit of the Lord... No, please go back. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon then he blew the trumpet, and the Abezarites gathered behind him. Verse 35. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent many messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. All of a sudden, this guy now is emboldened. He's the one now calling on others to come, based on what is Experience. And so, when you read to the old story, when God finally will reduce a 32,000 army to 300, you would never hear Gideon argue with God again. And say to God, why are you going to do this? Because all through this journey, what God deliberately did was to erase the experiences that project on a screen that I am not who I am. I am the most timid human being. I feel like I'm a coward and all of that. And if you bring it down to where we all are, this is what God is saying. That your experiences, as beautiful as you think they are, they are what God wants to use to show His greatness in your life. So that When you put up the screen on a daily basis, what you put up is, Jehovah God my peace. God is with me. I am more than a conqueror. I am righteous. Then you will understand that it is not about what I do anymore. It is about the he that is on the inside of me. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, So is he. He says it will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think your imagination is the catapult that God uses to bring to pass everything because as you have imagined it so you will see it come to pass. Because God has given us, as the children of men, the power to conquer our earth. Because what is inside of us, the Bible says we have this treasure, in earthen vessel, that the excellency of power will be of God and not of us. I took us to First Timothy in chapter 4, where, Timothy, where Paul was admonishing Timothy. He said, please, can you put that up for me? First Timothy, please. I'm going to quickly open it up for questioning. Just going to quickly wrap this up. 13, please. Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. What else? Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Go on. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. The only reason you can project on a screen is whatever it is that you have meditated on. If you meditate on your experiences that are bad, you are going to project it on the screen. Is what Paul is saying. He says, I want you to give yourself entirely to this thing. In other words, your, your whole being... That's why you will understand why God will instruct Joshua. This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe. And I said the reason why the enemy defeats us all the time. It's because it keeps throwing in our bad experiences and we hold on to it just like two friends that see a dog and one from the experience of being bitten by the dog runs away from the dog and the other one from the experience of playing with a dog runs to the dog. And the enemy says to us all the time, put this up. You go to the doctors. The doctor says you have two months to live. You meditate on that. You go to the ATM, you look at your bank account, it says $500 balance, and you have a bill of $3,800. And immediately the enemy says it's closure time. And you beat onto that. Or you look at your brother that has offended you. And the enemy says, That thing is not forgivable. I want you to meditate on this thing. I want you to hold onto it. And you keep projecting it on this image. Projecting it on, on, this, on this screen. Projecting it on the screen. And the more you project it onto the screen, the more you act it out. But God's intent is to erase every experience that is not to do with the finished work so that our life begins from the finished work and we can project only the goodness of God. Up on the screen. I said it's the reason why many times we don't even hear when God says to do stuff. Because we have so many noises going on in our mind. Someone said to me some time ago. He said if you can learn the art of just sitting to meditate. If you can just learn the art of just living from the experiences of Jesus. It will make a big difference in your life. And I remembered. I said two things. One is the word. How do you erase all these experiences? It has to do with the word. Please, can you give me Job chapter fourteen? I'm going to give that, and then we're going to throw it open. Job chapter fourteen. I believe from verse seven. Um, I think verse, yeah, verse seven. It says, for there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Verse 8, though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. The Bible talks about the water of the word. Whatever your experiences may be, at the scent of the word, that you are able to sit at the word. The intent of the word is to remove everything that is not of God and replace it with that which is of God. That whatever you project on this screen would not be your experiences of old, but the experiences that you have in Christ. Do we have any questions? I said it's the word and it is an encounter with God. The word brings an encounter. It is that encounter with God that changed the life of Paul. He says, when he pleased the Lord who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal Christ in me, I did not confer with flesh and blood. The same thing with Gideon. After that encounter, his life was never the same again. Gideon will be written in the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven. He said, "Time does not would not permit me to speak of Gideon." Any questions, comments? Questions or comments? Yes, after Alice.
1: Praise the Lord. It's not a question. It's. A Comments and to to appreciate God for coming to our level in this season, the way He came to the level of uh, Gideon. From the, the teaching last Sunday, I was uh, I was looking at uh, Gideon, the time. And reach home. I was looking at uh, twenty nineteen Christian life because Gideon said something, showing that it is me as a Christian talking. Gideon said, "If God is with us, we will not be passing what so, so it <laughs> means. He, he know the power of God yeah. we know what God can do for us yeah. so and God did not promise any other thing to Gideon he's only emphasizing to Gideon that I'm I'm with you so there are some things I was seeing as uh, written of impossibility so the, the message of, of last Sunday was telling me that, if God be with me, then those impossibilities is no longer there. Then in 2 uh, Corinthians 10 verse four and five, I see it as the summary of the battle we are having. After we have accepted Christ, as Lord and personal Savior. The only thing we have is God is with us. No matter the sad experiences. So, Paul said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then what is the strongholds? He said the stronghold is casting down imaginations. There we go. And every high thing that that exerts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought through the obedience yes. of Christ. There we go. God is with me. Amen. Thank you. Amen.
0: Amen. And that's very powerful. It's, it's quite very good. Because the one thing I, I just want to take home, uh, and for me, I'm, I'm learning now, if I can't bring it down to everyday life, then I've just preached a message... That I I guess the the main thing that is there from what my brother is saying is the word there is imagination again. Because that means God is dealing with something because as a man imagines, that's what a man leaves out. When men murder, that's why the U.S. would call premeditated murder. Because he thought about it and then carried it out. The same thing with us. God wants to change all these experiences and they can only come. You and I have a responsibility. I said it on Sunday. It does not, the finished work does not absorb us of the responsibility of sitting in the word. The word has to be our schoolmaster. It has to be what we hold, we read day in, day out. Learn to Meditate. It is not something that is preached all the time. But I'm looking at, the Bible talks about how Jesus separates himself and goes away in the cool of the night. What do you think he was doing? The same Paul that we talk about is one now telling Moses, uh, now telling his son. One and one thing that I want you to give your entire life to, meditate. If you can learn the power of meditation, you begin to change the projection that you bring to the screen. It is, it is imperative that the word becomes our day-to-day enjoyment. So all of that, two things, the word of God and the encounter with God. They are what changes a man. And the word of God changes your imagination. That's what it does. Because God wants to use your imagination. That's why it says that the eyes of your imagination be illuminated. Because if your imagination, through your imagination, you can zero into the spirit, then you project what is necessary. Amen? Any other question or comment? Question, comment? We have four minutes.
2: Perception. And then I kept listening to you tonight and um, how you talked about replacing that imagination. is If it's not of God, uh, replacing that imagination with what the word of God says.
0: Not replacing it. It's using that imagination to project what God says. You can't replace the imagination. The imagination has been given to you of God. Imagination is part of you. It's just your experience is what feeds into the imagination. Okay. Do you follow me? Yes,
2: well, but what I was thinking along the line, though, is that if you constantly replace the imagination with God's word, then you'll have a new perception
3: which will
2: enhance you to live out the word of God. With that new perception that you've gotten by replacing the imagination with what, God, what God's word says,
0: I got you. <laughs> I, I I see where you're coming from, uh, and I think it's a good place. However, just to add to where you are, my charge to you is: don't think about you trying to replace your imagination. Is you trying to change the experiences? that your imagination projects. Remember what I said, the imagination is like a screen. Are you getting me? Whatever is fed from there into the screen is what the screen projects. So I can change the screen from now till tomorrow. Whatever is over there that is feeding into the screen continues to be fed into the screen.
2: I guess I was thinking about imaginations not necessarily coming from experiences because you always have children who use imagination about, you know, they imagine their own friends and imagine, you know, they have such imaginations that it's almost like these little children really haven't had that many experiences yet. Yeah. But yet they have imaginations. So. But it's coming
0: from something. For the children, it's coming from something. They see something and then they imagine it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So either way, those are still the experiences. Mm-hmm. You, you, you follow me? Shadi? see is, you know, think about the bad things in the movie. So I feed it. If I watch a horror movie, I watch a comedy. And it kind of replaces, I fed my mindset or my imagination with something else. So it's replaced, it's taken away the horror part. And that's how I see it. All week, you know, that's what I've been thinking is that, I think I was discussing with you is like, every time I get a negative word or a negative thought, I feed it with scripture. I feed it with scripture because... So basically, it's not that I'm replacing my imagination, I'm replacing the feeding tube with what I need to define my imagination. That's it. And that's why I said the key there is the word of God and to meditate on the word of God and that continually helps. Amen? Any question? We're about to wrap up. Uncle Wem.
3: the the message is uh, very clear, um, but I also know that uh, many things that have happened in the world today are products of imagination. Because if we take it biblically, it, we, it seems, I mean, as if we are believing the books. But I want us to know that there is nothing that has happened in the world today. That is not a product of imagination. I just want to cast my mind back to uh, my own experience. (coughs) Um, I think I was about nine years old, about that. I never knew about God or nothing like that. And an uncle came to visit. I'm sorry, it might be about five minutes. And an uncle came to visit my dad. Apparently, um, while my dad stopped at the primary school with him, uh, he went ahead and did high school and stuff like that. So when NNPC uh, kicked off in 1970, um, that guy (laughs) who went further was employed by NNPC and they were the first Set of uh, engineers to be sent to the U.S. So, um, so when he came back, 1972, he came to visit us. He came with one white car. It was a, a Ford Cortina. I still remember it very vividly. Uh, they've changed it over the years. They've changed it to uh, Transam, and I think they've phased <laughs> it out. So when he came, by the time. I got to the house he was just driving out so the next time he came you know I came from a very poor home very poor background in fact on our street we used to play football on our street because nobody earned a car so we used to play football on the on the men's road so this man came the second time you know the car was so nice when a car drives into our street everybody's eye would be open because there was no other, no, but the only person that had a car then was a taxi driver. So this man pulled out, we were playing football on the street with my friends. So because I, I knew that he was the one that came with the car, I just called my friend, hey, come, it's my uncle, come, let's let's see if my uncle that came. So I, we ran, right, when I went to the car, I was just telling them, you know, as a child, I was about nine years. So the man, and looked at me he said even if they sell me and sell all my brothers sell my father sell the whole compound and it's true we're living in a thatch house what he actually said was true I will not be able to buy that car so I'm telling you it's something that's talking to my brain till today so the, the so everybody ran away because it was you know you know how you pursue um." a foul, just come out. So, I was so ashamed, this is me calling my friends to come and see, it's my uncle that has come, and here he is, he just pushed all of us away. So, everybody ran away, my brothers, my senior brothers, everybody ran away. But I, They took it as, for some reason, God gave me another spirit. So, I went and stayed while I was talking to my dad, my dad even did not know what that transpired so i went there i saw they were engaged in conversations so i told him so when i had time i said uncle i want to be like you he took, he, he pushed me aside and then i insisted i refused to leave i told i told him, Uncle, i want to be like you so when i insisted it's okay you want to be like me you have to love science you have to love mathematics you have to learn english the man countered, i said is that all?" He said, yes, that's okay. What did you study? He said, mechanical engineering. Believe me, from that day on, nothing else mattered to me. Nothing else. I wasn't a Christian. I'm just telling you power of imagination. It got to a point where I started anything about America because he came to U.S. here. Everything America was, in fact, they used to call me Oye because I start mimicking in America. So, true story. So I came to the mind, and said, okay, next he will be buying me. He man started sending me books because he saw how I was serious. There was no phone, then he would send books through. My dad was a cook in the hospital. He would send books to him for me to read. He would send textbooks I had never seen. In Nigeria, up to a point, he even sent me books on Lobsang Rampa, one of those old Tibet. So I started imagining myself. Nothing else. My father wanted me to do medicine, but because this man said he was mechanical engineer, that was how I ended up studying mechanical engineering. Because this man fed me with information thereafter. Because because he you know, he told me that that car was worth more than my dad, my mom, the entire house, and my old brothers and sisters. Eight of us, five boys and three girls. That car was worth more than that what he said. So let me tell you, when conversation one conversation after the other. So I told him, How do you go to America? He said, Well, it was, when it gets to that time I will know. But that he never went to the American embassy. That it was an that did everything and brought to him. Brought the thing to his office. Believe me, I took to that too. And I want to cut the story short. I came to America after studying mechanical engineering, employed by an oil company, posted here. Without being to, I've never been to American embassy. Myself and uh, uh, Charles, we never went to American embassy. They brought, my Nigerian passport was brought to me in the office. My US visa was brought, 10 years work permit. When I was transferred here, was brought to me in the office. So that thing I imagined at age nine came to pass at 35. That's I it. Had nothing to do with Bible, because I want to if that could happen to a man that had nothing to do with God, how much more would the word of God who is starting from a finished plan Truly amen, please stand That's to your feet. Story. Hallelujah,
0: amen.